Hey, let's thank the 1111 Band again for leading us in worship. It's fantastic. All right, the title of today's message is Death Lizard. Death Lizard. No, that's not a rock group from Britain in the 70s. And we'll get to that in just a second. Hey, right now, look under your chair that you're seating in, and you'll receive this beautiful, colorful Rejoice envelope. If you're a member, if you're only a member here at Second Baptist Church, if you missed pledging last week, take the time out to fill out this pledge card. This allows us to budget our money efficiently in the upcoming year as we write down what we're giving in the new year. So take it out. There are many ways to give. You can fill it out if the guy preaching gets really boring and then and then drop it in the uh, buckets as you were leaving. So if you're a member of Second, again, we do this once a year. If you're new, take time to fill out the pledge cards. Now, everybody get that? Everybody get one of those? You got it? Oh, good. Awesome. All right. People get funny when we talk about money. All right, here we go. How many of you have watched, and I want your hands up high, the Winter Olympics? How many of you are watching the Winter Olympics? Woohoo! right? A lot of us are watching the Winter Olympics. I like that, okay? There are a lot of things about the Winter Olympics that I like and I get, okay? Ice skating. It's really about ice skating. And now that they've introduced steroids into it, the guys are kind of getting it, right? So I understand ice skating. Um, I understand skiing a little bit and, 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 you know, the people doing things off the pipe and all that stuff. I, I kind of get that. And by the way, there's only one event, did you know this, in the entire Olympics that was invented by a Texan. Did you know that? And you know what it is? I heard someone say it. It's the biathlon. It's where you have skiing, and after they ski, I'm going to shoot my gun. Boom. Somebody from Lufkin, Google me, invented that. So I get skiing, right, and shooting at the end of skiing. Why not, right? But there's one thing that bothers me, and there's one thing I simply do not get. And it seems like every time I turn on my television set the last 10 days, whether it's NBC or USA or whatever channel the Olympics is on, I'm watching which is nothing wrong with this, but I'm, I'm watching a bunch of, you know, middle-aged men and women from former Eastern Bloc countries do this. They're on this large sheet of ice and they get down on their knee and they slide this iron, like you iron clothes with, and it slides across the ice. And then their two teammates are there who, you know, majored and masters in janitorial skills at some Eastern, and they're just sweeping. So the iron lands in, I guess it's a sim the symbol for Target, the, the department store. I, and this is an Olympic sport. It's called curling. Curling. Yeah. Woohoo. We have some curlers in here. I just don't get it. Sorry. I, I know there's a lot of skill involved in curling. 
I don't understand how it's an Olympic sport. I mean, there's skill involved in chess and you don't see them. I, I, I just don't get it. Every time I come on, you know, they're just sliding and sweeping and getting the iron in the middle of the target symbol. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get it. Am I, am, I, am I alone? Does anybody else doesn't get it? Well, if you think, okay, yeah. But <laughs> the comforting thing is there are a lot of things in life that I don't get, okay? There are a lot of things in life besides curling that I don't get. I don't understand. And one of the things I don't understand is the way oftentimes we make choices. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. In other words, why is it sometimes we get stuck in a doom loop of destructive choices and never do anything about it? Okay. You make some really bad choices. I make some bad choices. And you have negative consequences to these choices. And you, you would think, right? It's like touching a hot stove when you're little. You'd think we wouldn't go back and touch the hot stove. But by golly, we do. And so we get stuck in this loop. We talked about this to open up our series, GOAT, right? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Who's going to, you know... Help me escape this doom loop of negative choices and negative habits. Why do we get stuck there and how do we get out? That's what we're going to look at today as we continue to look at the GOAT, the greatest chapter of all time, Romans chapter 8. Let's see what Romans 8 has to say to us about choices. Choices. Romans 8, 12 says, therefore, brothers and sisters, and I like that right off the bat. Therefore, my family, brothers and sisters, men and women, young people who have already said yes to God's grace in Christ. We now have an obligation. It's not to the flesh to live according to it. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. In this passage, for the past few weeks, Paul's been laying out a strict dichotomy between two different lifestyles, two different choices. He says, you can choose the slow suicide of selfishness and the flesh, or the simple peace of life in the Spirit. That's your choice. He lays it out. And spoiler alert for today, today's message is going to be heavy. Today's message may be personal. Some of you may be glad and happy. Wow, I really like that. Others may say, wow. I'm a little bit angry. That's okay. We're going to work it all out in this message today as we look at choices. And what I want to talk to you about coming out of this passage are three non-negotiable truths about choices. Three non-negotiable truths. Now listen, 
I like to negotiate. I don't care where I am. I, I, I'm buying a shirt at Nordstrom's. I'll try to negotiate. I'll say, do you have a discount for this? No, I'm sorry, sir, it's not on sale. Um, do you have like a discount for old people? I do it all the time. What, my kids when they're with me go crazy, but I have white hair. No, I'm sorry, sir. Clergy discount, do you have a clergy discount? What's clergy? Anyway, so I do that. Sometimes they'll give me a discount right off the bat at places you wouldn't believe, not just the car dealership. So anyway, I like to negotiate. These are non-negotiable. These three truths are true whether you believe in them or not, okay? They're just true about choices. What are they? Number one, your choices determine your destiny. Your choices determine your destiny. You are, I am, the sum total of the choices I've made up to now. And we can make wise choices, or we can make dumb choices, or we can make choices in between. But God, when he comes into our life, we receive his grace, wants us to understand the power of making positive choices, which is simply following his will. This week I was with a friend of mine who has, a, I think, kind of an interesting story. When he was about five years of age, I'll just call this friend Buddy. Buddy's not his name, okay? And, and, and Buddy was living uh, in, in the Northeast, um, near New York, and uh, his parents owned a bar. And his parents, you know, eventually became alcoholics, both of them, mama and dad. So after a while trying to beat these negative bad choices of alcoholism, his parents, my friend Buddy was five years old, said, we gotta get out of here. We gotta stop this cycle of destruction and alcoholism. So they sold the bar, got on a plane, and flew to Australia with Buddy and his four siblings, okay? By the time the plane lands in Sydney, both of his parents are blackout drunk on that big plane. So it's just him and his other siblings wandering around, you know, the airport there, wondering what are we going to do? Well, you can imagine what happened, you know, finally they sobered up his parents, finally they found a place to live and stay, and Buddy, you know, just kind of started going to school and, you know, went from having a northern accent to an Australian accent. And then he started kind of doing the same thing his parents did. Started drinking, started using, and he was 16 years old, experiencing his own negative consequences as a young guy, and someone invited him to church. And he thought, church is not for me, I can't go to church. Came to church. Someone told him about God. Someone told him about Christ and forgiveness and grace. And Buddy made the choice to give his heart and life to Christ. And, and it totally changed his life. He said it was funny because, you know, here I was 16 years old. I'd already kind of lived the life for a while. And these other people in the youth group were trying to think it's really fun out there in the world. They were trying to live both in the church and in the world. And it wasn't working out. And I thought that was funny. But anyway, another message. And so Buddy started living for Christ. Went to school, went to college. Eventually went to work. Someone invited him to join a staff for a church. After a while, he had a vision from God. Say, said, hey, I want to go back to the United States. I want to plant a church in the United States. So he planted a church. He's been doing that for many, many years. And God's used Buddy 
to change many, many lives. How? One choice he made. His choice to say yes to God's grace in Christ, to become born again, if you would, change the destiny of his life. And his choice changed the destiny of his wife's life, his kid's life, and so many people he would influence. Your choices determine your destiny. Both positive choices and negative choices. They determine your destiny. Many of you have already made that choice that my friend Buddy did. You've already said yes to Christ. You've received his grace. And yet we know that it doesn't stop with that first yes, that first choice. That we have to make a series of choices that God gives us in order to grow in our relationship with him. So last week we talked about resting, right? So Ben, are you messing with me here? Are you taking back the rest? I'm not taking back the rest, okay? We can rest in what God has done for us in Christ on the cross and resurrection. It is finished, I'm accepted, you're accepted by God. I can rest that he's inside of my life, he's empowered me by his spirit. I can rest in the reality that God's gonna bring about his purposes in my life. At the same time, from this rest, I cooperate with God, I work with God, and as our passage says today, to put to death, mortify, extinguish these misdeeds of the flesh. Because if David Jeremiah said, and this is the second truth, non-negotiable truth, every choice you make bears children. Every choice you make, every choice I make bears children. Children, if you make good choices, you bear good children. If you make bad choices in your life, you bear bad children. You reap what you sow. So once we've received of what God has for us in Christ, we say yes, like my friend Buddy did, like many of you have done, then we start the process of learning how to make wise choices. Wise choices. Every day, at school, at work, and at home, you're making a lot of choices. I'm making a lot of choices. I pray almost every morning, God, give me the wisdom to make wise decisions. Give me the wisdom to stay in your will as I go throughout my day. Because choices bear children. Not just individually, but collectively. Look at L.A., right? Los Angeles, it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. The collective negative choices of people in that city have almost ruined that beautiful, amazing city. The same thing happens in our life. We make choices. Those choices bear children. They have negative fruits. As someone said long ago, there will be a payday someday. Now, maybe we're saying, I just don't understand. I don't understand. What, what are you talking about specifically, Paul? Because we're talking about Paul, y'all. That, that's who wrote these words. What are some of these habits, these choices, these defects, these sins that we need to put to death? I don't really understand it. Well, 
Paul is gracious enough to write another letter to us that we can hear in Colossians. Colossians 3, 5 following. Here's what he says again, in case we're missing it. Put to death, he says in Colossians 3, 5, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Uh-oh. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, the life you once lived. But now, you must rid yourselves, put to death, all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Guys, underline the next verse. Do not lie to each other or anyone else. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. Choices. Envy. Wanting what someone else has or wanting to have the looks they have or the money they have, counting other people's money, that envy and jealousy will kill you. Put it to death. Lust, lusting after things, lusting after people will destroy your life. Billy Graham said this long ago, it's not the first look that matters, it's the second look. It's natural, the first look, the second look, and you take the second look, and then you take out a canvas in your mind and get some art supplies and start painting a picture that's when you're in trouble. And Paul says you need to leave lust Vegas now. Put it to death. Get rid of it. Get rid of the greed. Get rid of the envy. Get rid of the jealousy. For some of you, you may have to just take, get off Instagram, not for a vacation, but forever. Don't know what that looks like for you. But I know that God wants us to grow in our relationship with him. He wants us to grow in our relationship with, with others. And he wants us to get rid of these things that drag us down. It's the second non-negotiable, undeniable truth about choices is that every choice we make bears children. Third, non-negotiable truth about choices is this, that you and I, if you said yes to him, if you're a Christ follower, must choose the next right thing. His word today said, by his spirit, not completely on your own strength, we have to be willing and respond to God, but by his spirit we put to death these deeds of the flesh and we choose the next right thing. So we're always faced with these choices and we need to learn how to grow by God's strength and by God's power in these choices. So we have a choice, as the passage said in Colossians, to tell the truth or to lie. We have the choice to love or to lust. We have the choice to 
give or to keep and hoard. We have the choice to forgive or to resent. By God's spirit, by his power, as you yield to him, make the wise choice. Make the next wise choice. You made the wise choice today by being here, by deciding to go to church. That's a wise choice. Make the next wise choice. Whatever God is convicting you of today, whatever that sin is in your life, whatever that negative choice is you're stuck in, put that temptation, put those negative choices to death and do that one choice at a time. And this, don't, don't, don't fall prey to the all or nothing syndrome, all or nothing, okay? It's like, to, to me, the, the, the Christian life is like, say, climbing a mountain, okay? Climbing a mountain. So um, years ago, I, I, I climbed a, a mountain. I'm not a mountain climber, but I want some friends of mine up in uh, Colorado and climbed a a 14 or a 14,000 foot mountain. And we had a great guide that day. And we start off at the bottom. And as you're climbing up and as you're free climbing up any mountain, boom, you're gonna fall. And when I got up, I don't know, a thousand feet and I fell, I didn't go, whoa, and tumble all the way back down to the bottom of the mountain. And I remember getting up to around 7,000 feet. Okay, and then getting up there and I kind of stumbled there and fell there. I didn't go, whoa, and fall 7,000 feet down to the base of the mountain. It didn't happen. It doesn't work that way. I'm still on the mountain. I'm still tethered to it. I fell. I get back up. But I've made some progress. So in your battle with putting these different things and sins and patterns to death, you're not losing everything when you simply fall once. Does that make sense? You're not going, whoa, all the way back to the beginning. I've got to get saved again. If you're a Baptist, I've got to get baptized again and again and again and again. No, you don't have to do that. Confess it to God, confess it to someone else, and keep moving forward with him. Don't fall into the all or nothing pattern. God's with you. God will help you. God empowers you. Stay on the mountain, keep climbing. You're gonna fall, get back up. Keep climbing. Gotta put it to death. My favorite author is C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a brilliant, brilliant intellectual, but also was an amazing fiction writer. He was just incredibly creative. Just beyond, beyond. He, he had both ability to speak both to the modern mind as well as the emerging postmodern mind. He was an incredibly gifted person. And one, in one of his books, a fiction, of fiction, he wrote about a story about people who took a bus trip from hell to heaven. It's kind of wild, isn't it? A bus trip from hell to heaven, really not heaven. The people from hell came and they were on the suburbs, if you would, of heaven. And in this story, in one of those stories, this, this 
kind of ghostly figure, kind of looks like a man, but not really. He's kind of oily and gray, and he gets out there to the suburbs of heaven, and he's kind of looking around, and he kind of feels uncomfortable. And the whole time he's there, he has this red lizard that's on his shoulders, and it's just creeping around, and his tail is kind of thrashing this ghostly figure on his kind of face, and this red lizard is whispering things into the ear of this ghost, and it's just really kind of disturbing and eerie. And then out there in the suburbs, out of the smoke in the distance, comes this this like angelic being full of light. And this angelic being gets closer to this ghost and the red lizard. And the ghost says, stop, stop. Don't, don't, don't come any closer. You're, you're burning me. And the angel says, well, I won't. And then the ghostly figure says, well, I, I'm, I'm going to leave. I, I've got to leave now. Um, I told this, this friend of mine, this, this red this reptile, to be quiet up here, that he's not welcome up here in this part. And, and he, he can't keep quiet. He's still whispering these things to me, and it, it's embarrassing, so I'm going to leave. And the angel says, I can take care of that for you if you want me to. And the ghostly figure says, well, okay, okay. That, that, that sounds like a good idea. And the angel says, well, I'm going to have to kill it. The ghostly figure says, well, I, you didn't say you're going to have to kill it. And the angel said, yes, I must kill it. And the ghostly figure says, well, I, I don't, 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 don't kill it now. Let me go back to the bus. Let me talk to my doctor. Let me talk to my counselor. There's got to be another way we can kind of get out, work this out, another plan, another process than, than having to kill the red lizard because I don't think that's going to be. And the angel goes, no, I, I have to kill it. And the ghostly figure says, well, I, hey, what if I come back tomorrow or next week? And the angel goes, no, there's, there's no moment, but now I have to kill it. And the ghostly figure says, well, why didn't you kill it when I first came up here to this heavenly place? Why didn't you kill it and, and kill this little red lizard that's been bothering me and just, just gnawing at me? Why didn't you kill it then? And the angel said, I cannot kill it without your permission. And the ghostly figure says, well, I don't, I don't want you to kill it. I'm afraid if you, if you killed it, it would kill me. And the angel said, no, I won't kill you. It's going to be hurt, hurtful, it's going to be painful, but I will not kill you. And when he said that, the ghostly figure said, okay, okay, go ahead. I give you permission, but God help me. And at that moment, that ghostly figure let out a scream that would just shatter the stained glass window in this place. And that angel 
took that red lizard off of his shoulders and threw it on the ground and smashed it and broke the spine of its back. And when that happened, this ghostly figure began to transform into this strong, powerful, atlas-looking like man. And the red lizard began to hiss and suck, and then it began to evolve into this beautiful silver stallion with a gold mane. And the man, the muscular guy, jumped up onto the stallion, and C.S. Lewis wrote, and they rode into the eternal morning as the day, the night became day. Where there's death. There's resurrection. There's life.